Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You are now listening to episode 134 of the show. Final week of the Premier League has concluded. So Matt and I are here to go ahead and uh, recap there for you. What's up, Matt? What's going on? It's a, it's a sad time. The it end is. of the season. Uh, one thing to make up for it is it's the beginning of the summer. Weather's going to be nice. Um, can't really complain there. Good times. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the Prem's over now. So it's going to be, was that 12? Or no, it's 10 weeks, I think, of no Premier League action. But um, there's still transfer activities. Transfer activity's been crazy. People have been going after who they want right off the rip. Um, a lot of moves have been made. A lot of moves are being made over the next week or so. But um, yeah, crazy time. Um, before we get into everything, our records from week 37, because we have those Thursday games, May 19th, that we didn't get to cover. We did the episode before those, um, and Zach included his three picks there. Um, Evan finished five and eight for week 37. I went six and seven, uh, and Zach went got a big donut there. He went zero for three. I've seen all the of those games yeah um and then week 38 championship sunday was a lot better for all of us all of us went positive um i went six and four evan went seven and three and zach went a an astounding eight and two um (laughs) that is unreal yeah the he he called the leeds last minute winner spot on yep and Brighton pulled through for him over West Ham. Those were two big ones for him. So, end of the year, our overall records. Um, I finished 180 and 200. So, that's about a 47% Pretty good. Um, success rate. Evan went 191 and 189. Let's go! So, right there at 50%. Yep. And then Zach went 30 and 20, which is 60%. Wow. Well, 30 and 20 is a, is an extremely impressive figure. I mean, that's, that's really tough to do. And just thinking about, you know, the fact that Zach picked Brighton this week over West Ham, um, just goes to show you that. And he said he hasn't watched a ton this season. So it just goes to show you that sometimes that, um, watching the games and, and thinking about how they should go doesn't always give you the right answer, but that is very impressive nonetheless. Yeah, sometimes we, we overanalyze things would, and we yeah over uh, throughout the season we have built in biases and yep. ideas in our minds, whether it's about certain players burning us through betting or they burn our team or things like that. We kind of um, have thoughts in our mind that hold us back from actually ha- going with our gut but um, yeah, it was a great year. Um, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to next season. Um, gonna have to focus on the MLS. Um, yeah. The summer is gonna be a little bit lacking on sports. We're gonna have no NFL. NBA's ending um, in a couple weeks. Um, MLS is gonna be going hard though, so gonna have to start focusing on that. I stayed up and watched the Union play the other night. They got a big two 0 win over Portland, so. I'm going to have to start focusing on them, really, to quench my thirst, if you will. 
Yeah, it's it's strange to not have the World Cup this summer. I mean, this would be yeah. the, this would be the year that we're supposed to get it. Sorry if you guys just heard that motorcycle go by. I have my windows open, but um, this would be the year that we're supposed to get it. I mean, I remember 2018. Not much in my life has actually changed from that World Cup to this World Cup. Uh, the podcast started. I mean, that's that's one thing, but. Um, that feels like it was it was ten years ago, just because of all the COVID stuff and everything that's happened in between. So I'm I'm excited. I I, I have no idea what this Winter World Cup is going to be like. I mean, this is the first time it's ever happened. Um, yeah, it's I, gonna we're gonna have know. to work around that too. With um, obviously this show is based around Premier League, and yeah, there's there's going to be a four week break, but um, we can slot right in the world cup there then we get right back into the premier league realistically but um yeah it's going to be crowded i mean i'm excited for it the the fixture schedule is going to be even more packed at the front and especially at the end we might have a we might have similar to um the project restart where games go all the way into july i'm not sure how it's going to work but um we might have an even extended run of our usual show um kind of how last year was with the euros in a way yeah and like we got lucky like the euros kind of bailed us out because we were like oh what are we gonna do when the prem ends and then the euro came around and we had i mean i don't know but how many weeks of content from the euro about a month right the euro lasts pretty much a month yeah four to Um, four to six weeks about if you include predictions and reviewing the whole thing yeah so i mean matt and i are gonna have to kind of get creative over the next couple of weeks uh not next i'm sure not a couple. i'm sure yeah i mean we got 10 weeks there where we're gonna have to fill stuff in um there's gonna be international friendlies going yeah. on and and um obviously transfers are gonna go on every week so yeah. we can delve into maybe our teams i know Enketi has come out and is signing a new deal with arsenal i saw that um, it was the last El, offer yeah yeah el Nenny as well is getting a one-year extension um i think arteta said they're going to bring back saliba from loan and he's yeah. going to be part of the first team's plans for the following year um chelsea as well rudiger and christensen are gone um, we're looking to renegotiate with Azpilicueta, Jorginho, Conte, and Mason Mount's a big one on the table. Yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of contract negotiations. Chelsea as a club isn't at the point where we can be active on the market yet. We're still waiting on a license, I believe, but um, Bowley has been approved and passed the ownership tests and whatnot. Yeah. So um, the transaction's been complete, so we're... We're good there. We have our owner. He's he's got plenty of money to invest. Um, yeah, I mean, we could we could talk for a while about that stuff, but we're here to recap the last games, and then I think next week will be our season reviews and awards, just so we we don't run. Because I listened to last year's episode and went on for two hours and twenty minutes. We yeah. tried to cram everything in, and the at the end we had to push the awards to the following episode and it was funny the first 15 minutes i listened was just about politics yeah i know i mean i'm thinking like what was going on last year at this time it's like i can't even remember but um matt and i are gonna go ahead and and jump right in here to the prem to what happened in in match days 
I mean, there's an 18, there's a 27, there's a 33, and then 38, which is obviously the final week of the season. So uh, the last game we talked about was Southampton and Liverpool that had Liverpool sort of jumping up close to to where City was. Obviously, we know that City were crowned uh, victorious, but we're going to follow all the storylines and tell you you know, how things wound up that way. So Aston Villa versus Burnley, that happened Thursday. This will be the first game that we're going to talk about. Aston Villa and Burnley drawing 1-1. Burnley struck first in the 45th minute with an Ashley Barnes penalty, but after halftime, Emmy Buendia came out, got himself a goal. Like, that's another guy that we talked about all season long not showing up. Um, Rather, we didn't talk about him much because he didn't show up, but... Uh, Villa looked looked sharp here, I think, in this one. Burnley obviously needed those three points. Matt and I were talking quickly about the situation, uh, what would have happened if Burnley had won this game and held on or onto the, the, one, the other game uh, that they played after this. But if Burnley had taken three points here, they would have been on... Um, Even still, they would have been on 37 Oh, 37. Points. You're right, because they got a point from this. They would have needed leads to um, drop points. Yeah, okay. So, actually, this situation was wrong. Um, they did have a chance against Newcastle as well, but that, Wait, that didn't pan out. Right. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. Because they would No, if, if the... No, our first... Sorry, sorry, I'm confusing. I'm thinking if if they earned that point, they would have been on 35. Yep. Or no, if they earned the point, they would have been on 36. Yep. And all they had to do was... Win the win the game against Newcastle. That was what would have happened. Okay, right. So they would, they, they would have had to win the game. Sorry, that's okay. Um, we confused ourselves. So so Burnley not getting the result really desired here, especially after striking first. I think this team did fight in their final couple of weeks. I I believe Michael or Mike Jackson. I don't. He doesn't like to be called Michael. Just Mike. Um. I believe won three games out of the eight that he was in charge. There was two draws, and then the other three were losses. That was ultimately not enough to secure safety for Burnley, and it's a bit unfortunate to see them go down. I think they have some players uh, that are good. It's it's extremely sad to me to see Nick Pope going down. He's going to get bought up, probably taken out. Tarkowski, another player that I think has quality. Dwight McNeil, even Barnes, especially Cornet and, and Weghorst, those two, I think, really, it's a shame that they're going to go down because they'll probably either get bought up or they'll now have to deal with the obscurity um, of championship football, and that's that's a really tough thing to deal with. Um, I, I think Burnley fought here. I really do. It just wasn't enough, and it wasn't enough against Newcastle either. So um, unfortunate, really, for them. But Villa got a, uh, a point, and I guess... I don't know. They're in 14th place. I would have much rather seen Villa go down than, than seen any of those other teams below them go down. I just don't care about them. And uh, I think Burnley have heart. They have a play style, especially under Dyche. They had a, a really strict defensive play style, and they fight hard. And it's unfortunate to see them go down. Uh, word on the street is that I hate Burnley, but it's not true. I don't hate Burnley. I just... I don't know. I, I didn't want to see Everton go down. I didn't want to see Burnley go down. I would have much rather seen Leeds go down. Um, but really? I, I, yeah, absolutely. Last season, I liked Leeds, but uh, I don't know. There's something about them this season. The whole second season syndrome, they, they just play ugly, ugly football as most of the season until until Marsh came in. And then, you know, 
it's it was a little better, but uh, I think it's unfortunate to see Burnley not get three points here, and uh, it, it's it pains me to say farewell. I think uh, Leeds was in this situation not only <clears throat> not only due to injuries, but I when when I listened back to our predictions and that and the review from the previous season, we talked about them upgrading their back line and yeah. really fixing that problem. Last year, they gave up around 60, 65 goals. This year, they gave up 79. And last year, they were saved because their their firepower was, was matching that of their defensive woes. Um, this year, it wasn't the case, and they, they suffered for it. Now, it's it's they have to re re rehaul rehaul the whole team and adjust things and get new guys in and we're already seeing Brendan Aronson from Salzburg's making his move to Leeds so that's going to be Marsh's first signing um, as manager so now he's going to shape it into his team and I do think with restructure and Leeds getting everybody fit I think they're a better team to watch than Burnley one hundred percent so I think we differ there but I think this Villa game really sent them down. Um, opposite of how Everton did in their match on the same day, um, they just needed these points when they when they when they were available. And for the longest time, they had a lot of makeup games, and they just didn't use them wisely. And now you have to think back: was sacking Sean Dyche the right move? Um, because you you got rid of him because potentially he may have been the problem, but you still went down. Now it's a case of. Um, rumors are Vincent Company is going to be taking over Burnley. Apparently, he's the lead guy. He's leaving Anderlecht in the Belgian league, and he's going to make a move here to Burnley. I believe he he had another position offered to him somewhere else, but I think Burnley's the move that he's willing to take. Um, so that can be good. It seems like that's the trend right now. Is recent um, footballers that have retired are taking up coaching and. They're being given chances right off the bat. They don't have to wait five to ten years to get somebody to take a chance on them. Just they're getting thrown right into it. So I think that's a good move maybe for him. I think Burnley are having financial issues right now where there's maybe going to be ownership changes. Um, The club might owe people money. They do. Um, I I know the situation. They took out a gigantic loan and they now have to pay it back because relegation triggers an immediate payback of the loan. Yeah, and you mentioned Tarkovsky. um, His contract expired this summer, so he's going to leave on a free. Um, I think he's between Everton, Villa, and Newcastle. I think those were the three I heard. Recently, um, you just signed Veghorst and Cornet on on pretty decent deals, um, signing them both for around fifteen to sixteen million pounds, yep. um, four to five year contracts on them. Um, so they're going to have to really load offload people, and I think Nick Pope's probably going to be one of those guys to make up for that money they own. They owe. Yeah. Um, it's tough. It's tough. Um, not a lot. It's not very common. You see a Norwich or a Fulham where um, they go down and come right back up. Um, we might see a, a, some them pull a Huddersfield where Huddersfield was in the league about six, seven years ago. And yeah. when they went down, we haven't heard from them. They were in the playoff this year, but um, they couldn't get through to the final. But um, yeah, it's tough. There's going to be a lot of questions. Burnley has been in the league for seven years now seven to eight years they had that one phenomenal year where they finished seventh um yep. but 
their their weaknesses were were finally exposed to where they couldn't cover them up and it's tough to see but um yeah it was the it was the opposite for Everton against Palace yep it was uh we're going to jump past Chelsea and Leicester that game ended in a 1-1 draw Chelsea obviously placing third this year in Leicester in eighth, they are going to be in the Europa League somehow or another. Not quite sure how it Who's happened. That? Uh, Leicester. They didn't make anything. No? Eighth? no. Isn't eighth spot? No, it's one to four is Champions League, five to six is Europa, and seventh is Oh, I forgot the... it's only two. I'm sorry. Yeah, seventh, seventh is, is conference. It's conference. It w- if they won the FA Cup like Arsenal did yeah. last year, last year they would have made the... Um, Europe, or two years ago. I'm sorry, guys. Um, my, my brain's fried. I totally forgot that's how it worked. But Mourinho, congrats to Roma. Yep. He won the Conference League today. He's won five European trophies with four different clubs. It's crazy to think about just how much he's jumped around. Um, and it is a testament, honestly, because Roma, while they do have some some solid players, it's not as if they are a, a complete world beater. Um, I don't think Roma have really even been a, a, a thought in any sort of European competition since the days of uh, old uh, Francesco Totti. So it's it's yeah. it's been some time, but congratulations yeah. to him and congratulations to Tammy Abraham, who had a fantastic season, 27 goals in all competitions. Yeah, we'll see what they do, what Chelsea does with Lukaku, because we do have that buyback. Oh, Tammy will um, be right back, and he should be, because he was great. Yeah, Roma finished sixth in the league, right in those Europa League spots, but now they automatically qualify for it. So I don't know if uh, their qualification spot gets passed down one to Atlanta, who finished eighth, or Fiorentina. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But yeah, congrats to them. Yep, yep. So let's jump into Everton 3, Crystal Palace 2. I mean, this was an absolutely unbelievable game. This was the game that Everton had to win, and they somehow, against the odds, did it. After going down 2-0 with a Jean-Philippe Mateta goal in the 21st and a Jordan Ayew goal in the 36th, the Toffees struck back in the second half, a Michael Keane goal in the 54th, Richarlison in the 75th, and then out of nowhere, DCL in the 85th. I mean, this was a team determined to win their safety, and it's so unfortunate that Everton couldn't summon this at other points in the season. I mean, they did beat Arsenal 3-2. That game is seared into my brain. Um, that was a tough one. We lost in the, the dying embers, just like Palace did here. Um, but Everton struggled for so long to, to find this fire, to find the desire to win. And this was this was one of those games where they somehow managed to conjure it up. Uh, 12 shots for Everton in this one versus Palace's seven. Six shots on target for the Toffees, just 43% of the possession. But when they did have the ball, they were relatively clinical, especially in that second half. I think this is a a tough, tough loss for Palace. I mean, this was the game where uh, Everton fans rushed the pitch and uh, somebody somebody had a bust up with with Vieira, which I think we we talked about briefly last week. I don't remember. Yeah, there was a a video recording. (laughs) They got in his face, and then there was another angle where Vieira swung at him with his leg. Yeah, he will not be charged by the FA, by the way. I saw that just uh, just like an hour or two ago before we started the show. So um, not a uh, not a problem for Big Pat. That's a good thing. 
But this was an unbelievable performance. I mean, I I thought it was just so entertaining to watch. And I think we do have to give credit to Frank. I mean, I know that his tenure at Everton has been topsy-turvy. He hasn't been there for all that long, but he did manage to get them out of the gutter when it mattered. And I think we have to give him some props because... I don't know if other managers who haven't didn't play as long as Frank did and have that drive and desire to to win because that is what he is. I mean, he's a winner. Um, I don't know if other managers would have been able to pull Everton out. So uh, I I'm giving Frank a uh, a round of applause and Everton a round of applause. I'm I'm glad they're staying up. They're a bit cockroachy, but we'll see what they can do next season. Yeah, it's it's Frank was thrown into something he's never experienced in his career as a player or as a manager. I mean, um, being in charge of Chelsea, playing for Chelsea, being a part of West Ham. I mean, he's never had a fight against relegation and neither has Everton for a long time. So starting next year will be their 69th straight year in top flight football, only being behind Arsenal, who have been in the English top flight for 97 straight years starting next year. So um, I mean, Everton, they, I've heard people, Merseyside is all about football. It's life. Yeah. You hear, you hear over here, ball is life. And it's, that's what it is over there. It's their love. It's their love. And it's just something that's in their DNA. And it would have been tough to see them play in the, in the championship. Like you said earlier, similar to how you feel about Burnley going down. But, um, this is the first time Everton have won a Premier League game while trailing by two at half, um, for the first time after it's saying a 75th attempt. And then on the flip side, this is the first time that Palace have been beaten in the, in the Prem, despite leading by two goals at the half, um, going on to win 21 of those 22 passed. So um, it was a rare occurrence. And I think it ultimately comes down to, obviously the the manager and the fa- and the players get a lot of credit, but the final weeks of the season, the fans, the environment they created, um, at Goodison, at these away um, ends, at the way, at, at in the away ends, at, at um, the away games, just the atmosphere and the passion that they brought to these games with the the flares and pre games with the bus and just always bringing the energy to will their guys on, being that twelfth man. Um, how we look in the NFL the, with the Seahawks, their their brand is the twelfth man yep. when they play at home and. That's something that they did, and it's going to be interesting to see starting next year if they're going to carry that over or if they go back to normal where the fans are complacent. And it just seems like they have to will these guys on to the end. Yeah. Um, But going back to the players' side, I think one thing that they've lacked for the most of the year due to injury is Calvert Lewin. Um, Not last season, he scored 16 goals, which was top 10 in the league. Um, they finished 11th with a much better point total, obviously, but they were in a pretty cozy position in the table um, with a, an established manager in Carlo Ancelotti. Now, we looked when they got Rafa, we were unsure about him, and you were most concerned about um, Rafa and the management rather than the players and how they'll do on the field. You weren't sure how he will handle the the fans and the environment around him, and it ultimately didn't work out. So up stepped Frank, and Frank did a good job for what he had. And this game was just insane, just the way they came back. We've seen Everton have fans zip tie their necks to the to the, the, the goalpost. Um, we've seen this fans running on the field, getting in managers' faces. Um, it's just been absolutely crazy at Everton this year. And 
I'm happy to see them get another year at it. <laughs> yeah, I am too. And I think, you know, it, it's a weird thing, but I think this was a wake up. I think it's a wake up call for the fans and for the club. I think Everton, there, there is a chance, by the way, that Everton get, get bought and or sold and bought now. Um, they are financially just, uh, I don't know. They have a, a terrible track record. They've made a lot of really bad signings. They haven't yeah. managed money right. I think that it's just their recruitment policy is very it's, poor. It's we, just bad. We, we talked about Barcelona with Coutinho being bought for 180 and them selling him for 20. Yeah. It's just things like that where you, you need to look at, obviously they're their rivals, but you look at Liverpool with the smart spending with Jota and Mane and Salah all being for around 40 mil. Yep. We look at Bayern Munich getting bargains. They got Lewandowski on a free four or five years ago from Dortmund. I mean, you need to really do your research, make connections with agents and these players early on. Um, Luis Diaz as well. They had Liverpool with their eye on them, him for a while, and they had to jump on him early because other teams were starting to see what he had to offer. So it's just having that that passion and really taking your job seriously rather than just spending the money to spend the money. So um, yeah. we'll see this summer if they are going to be smarter with their spending. I mentioned Tarkovsky maybe being a defensive reinforcement for them, but they're looking to maybe pay him a hundred grand. And I don't know if he's worth that much because he does. Yeah. Um, a I, lot. I'd have to look more into their, their team salary. I found a new website with uh, the contracts and stuff, which has been really helpful. Yeah. Um, it's looking like their average defender is making about, what is that? Holgate's getting about a million a year. Coleman 3.6, Michael Keane 3.3, Mina is getting paid 6 mil a year roughly. So, I mean, I think Tarkovsky's in that range. He's definitely better than Mina. Mina's very inconsistent with his injuries, but I don't know. It's just, it's interesting to see what they're going to do this summer with their spending, but they just made it by the skin of their teeth. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to another match. This is another Palace one. This one brought me some serious joy. Crystal Palace wow. won Manchester United nil. Wolf Zaha was a United product, if anybody remembers that. He scored in the yeah. 37th minute. Uh, not good enough for United to keep, but... Can we, can we touch on that goal, how it started? It was a throw-in for United yep. about middle of the field. They throw it in. Bruno Fernandes lets it bounce once. He doesn't look. He just smashes a ball back to who was playing right back, to Delo. It was Delo, yeah. Who wasn't even aware of what Bruno did. And then <laughs> Saha muscled him off, took it down the field, and scored. Like, I watched the highlights. I was so confused. Like, yep. what the hell? And we, we, we can figure this. The last game of the year, there's guys that get to play that don't usually play because most of the teams already have a pretty certain with their position in the table they don't have, have they don't have to worry about getting relegated or not so they put out guys that don't really play a lot but i mean bruno what yeah. the f they, they and they had something on the line here yeah potentially finishing in the conference league luckily for them brighton saved their asses yep and beat west ham so i mean they finished the year with their lowest amount of points Ever. i think I think this is probably the lowest amount of goals they've scored in a year. They scored 57 goals. Yep. 
Um, a third of those are from Ronaldo. Um, they, I saw a stat. They didn't win a single game this year when Ronaldo didn't play. It's so um, insane. That's like the LeBron effect. It's and they gave and they gave up fifty seven goals, and they had a lot of injuries in that. And the I, I'll say this, but I was we'll talk more about it next week. But I, when I listened back to our predictions, number one, we had Man U above Liverpool, which was disgusting. That's so insane. We should both be shot and killed. And I that. think the I think more disgusting was. One, our logic with that was when we talked about Liverpool, we said that Chelsea and United have more depth in certain areas of the field, which was completely off. <laughs> so wrong. And me particularly, I said, man, you have the best defense in the league on paper. I said that, if you listen back. That's, so That's also a psychotic take. Man, I, I, was, I was it, It's just... I think one thing is you see... Another thing was our when we we picked Liverpool in fourth, we we said they were complacent and they weren't making a lot of signings. And the point earlier I made, you have to be smart with your spending. Yeah. So and and City do the same thing. They're not buying five six players for a bunch of money. They are very particular. They already have the core of the, of the team, yep. so they don't have to make major changes. With like United have done year after year, they're bringing in new face after new face after new face. Uh, last year it was Ronaldo, Sancho, and Varane. The previous year, um, I mean, Maguire, Wambasaka, Bruno. Like they're bringing guys in by the droves, yeah. and it's not working out. So I think that's something we have to reconsider when we think about these teams and potentially what they're going to do for the year. And, and you know, just you bringing up that United have a good defense on paper. If you do look, like obviously we saw serious aggression in Maguire this year, like regressed all the way back to the point i've never seen him this bad i mean he he's known for a howler he, he's known to to have a stinker every once in a while but in general i think mcguire was just absolutely piss poor i thought lindelof at the end of last season had started to progress uh i know i had hopes for him this season veron like we said world-class defender and then juan Basaka, guys like him and, and alex Tellez are both players that i think are good but all of them stepped back this year. Everybody. Veron couldn't stay healthy. Wire was awful. Lindelof was awful. Dello is just simply not good. Alex Tellez didn't get a ton of play, but he sucked too. And now we don't even see we don't even see Juan Basaka in this team. So he's leaving. He, I know. The mass exodus is coming. We're seeing we're gonna see at least five to eight bodies leave. Yeah. So I mean it's funny how, when you look back, how far off we were, how accurate we were with some of these predictions, but how how just how awfully far off we were with others. We'll uh, get into it next week, but I'll say this. Um, I only got one correct spot on, so I did worse than last year there, but you did better. You you got four correct. Oh, not bad, not on. bad. But a lot of there was a lot of like we had a lot of ones to two offs, which is pretty decent. Where did I have Arsenal again? Do you know off the top of your head? Yeah, we both had him in sixth. Oh, all right, better than I thought then. That's good. Um, yeah, your I think the your worst one was um Brighton. You had Brighton nineteenth. Oh fuck me. I I had Brighton eighteenth, but I think your worst one is Tottenham in tenth. That was dumb. And your reasoning was because you thought Harry Kane was leaving. I did think he was leaving. And then he had a pretty good year. So Yeah. 
All right. Well, that was that was a cold take. Now that we've exposed some of our ice cold takes, let's move. I on. mean that 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 goes to show you what can happen in nine months. It's a it's a long fucking season, and anything can happen. And that's yeah, a pregnancy. We, you, we have no idea what's going to happen in January. Yeah, things could change. We could get Lewandowski at Arsenal. Um, no, I actually did see today that he's in contact with Barca. So now they're going to have Aubameyang. No, I don't understand. Lonzo's linked to go there. Um, yeah, I know. So they're going to have to fucking sell a bunch of people. They don't have any money. They owe like billions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars. I know, dude. That's economies, though. That's that's finances. People just go into debt until they can't go into debt anymore. And the they have to, they have to do that because they don't have the TV money coming into La Liga like the Prem does. I know. I mean, so they, they're trying they to keep up with deal too, and it's still not enough. They're trying to keep up with City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal. They're trying to keep up with all these clubs, and they're going deeper and deeper into debt, and sooner or later it's going to catch up to them where they can't fucking pay these people what they want. Yeah. And everybody's going to come to the Prem. I know. and I mean, we're getting off off track here, but like that was always Barca's... That was always their financial plan was to just buy in mass and... They, I guess they could afford it, but they could only afford it because there was no TV money at that point. There was no, the Prem wasn't as big, right? Like globally and like, com- we'll say commercially, because that's really what it is. As soon as the US got involved with the Prem, yeah. like all those, the, the ads and the, the businesses, all these owners are coming into the league. Yep. They're getting their friends involved, where Chelsea's now American owned. Yep. Leeds is American owned, United, Arsenal. Yeah, Liverpool, FSG, they're they're American owned too. It's, yeah, it's just crazy. And like, I was looking back the other day because I, I was cleaning out. I was actually cleaning out my closet, um, and I found all these old jerseys, and was just thinking. There, by the way, there was a Chelsea jersey in my closet, um, and I found a couple old Beckham jerseys. There was like four yeah. in there. From mm-hmm. all the different teams he played for, and I looked, and there was a Ronaldinho jersey, a Barcelona jersey, and then I went back and looked at what their 2007, 2008 team looked like. I mean, it's like, it's like eleven of the the best players I've ever watched, all in one team. It was Henri, Eto, Ronaldinho, Messi, Carlos Puyol, like unbelievable stuff. And now to think. Of course, Barcelona are still a powerhouse, but to think that all of those players could be on one team in La Liga is just gone. It, that will I don't think that will ever happen again, as long as TV deals stay the way they are. It's crazy to think about. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's move around. Chelsea, or no, it was Arsenal-Everton, wasn't it? Arsenal yeah. 5, Everton 1. Um, Gabriel Martinelli getting... Arsenal on the board early here with a penalty. Eddie Nketiah finishing one in the 31st. Donny van der Beek scored uh, in stoppage time of the first half. <clears throat> nice to see him get in there. And it seems like United are going to call him back. Uh, Ten Hag, big fan of van der Beek, obviously coached him at Ajax the year they made that Champions League run. So uh, he's going to get called back there. But after that van der Beek goal, Cedric Suarez got on the board. 56th minute goal for him. Gabriel won in the 59th, and then Odegaard capping things off, capping off a nice season, really. 
uh, in the 82nd minute. Arsenal did have 26 shots here, nine shots on target, 74% possession. It was a dominant performance, but we should say that Everton didn't really show up to play here. They'd already gained their um, safety, and I just don't think they were really in it here. So half of them are probably still hung over from Thursday. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not much to, to take away from this one. We did see Deli Alley get a start, and it was good to see DCL get a two consecutive game start here. But um, Everton played five at the back and got five put past them. So uh, there's not much to talk about here other than. Arsenal actually played offense for once. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to the game, but does this result make you happy or does it make you upset to think back to the Newcastle game, like wherever this was to secure top four? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I figured going in against Everton that, that we'd pump them, but uh, right. it, it does. It's a little upsetting, you know, to see Newcastle finish all the way down there in 11th. They were a threat. They were a threat for the last half of the season, like a serious threat. But I think yeah. Arsenal have the quality and, and the, the power to to outdo them, and they just didn't. So it was upsetting to see, especially you see Tottenham just go into to Norwich and, and pump them. You know, Arsenal and, and Tottenham are the only teams this week to score five goals. So it's, it's a little sickening, yeah, but... Um, I just have to keep telling myself one season at a time, a fifth place finish is, is really good considering how we started and considering how young the team is. That's that's what I keep telling myself to, to get to bed at night. I mean, this is the sixth year in a row you guys have finished behind Spurs. Three or, four, three or four of those, you've only been one point behind them end of the year. Yep. Sooner or later, there's, I think, some fans... For Arsenal, I've accepted with how the landscape of the league is with the money being spent and just the squads that are already in the league. They're accepting that they can't get in that top four as easily. Other yeah. fans are thinking Arsenal is a established top four team. They should always finish top four. That's how it's always been. That's how it should be now. There's no excuses about it. These players need to go out there and fight for it. Like, where do you stand on that? Are you accepting that? We aren't at that level yet. There, are, we there are still. We're not, yeah, we're not there. We need to take more steps, or is it getting to a point where you're like these? We have the players. We I see the talent. We need to be doing this. We have had the opportunity to finish in top four multiple years, and they're just slipping up in these big moments. Well, we have we have had the opportunity, and I think this is one of the better teams that we've had the opportunity with. But the way that I'm kind of looking at it is. If you think about the money and how it's structured, right? City, Liverpool, and Chelsea. City are the richest club in the league, I think, at this point, because Abramovich sold sold Chelsea. Um, you got to consider Newcastle now. That's true. But they haven't had the chance to implement their financial policy to uh, the fullest extent yet. So let's, right. let's, let's count them out. City are going to be in the top four. It's, it's, I, don't, I can't see them not being in the top four for the next... 15, 20 years. Honestly, I yeah. can't see it. Until all those core guys start leaving, yeah. Liverpool, I don't think this lasts forever because they're going to have to do a full rebuild at some point over the Their next... Top, those 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 top three guys are all, are all turning 30. Sumani's 30. I think Salah's like 29. Bobby's getting up there. Yeah. yeah. They're, start, they're starting to fill in that next generation in Jota and Diaz already. Yeah. So 
that's that's maybe a place where you can edge in within the next five years. Maybe unless unless they get a full next generation, and and it seems like they're Vince starting. Young, to Van make... Dyke's in his prime. Fabinho's there. Yeah, so they're you know they're they're in a decent spot. Chelsea, another team. Now, maybe with the way that things have changed hands, maybe this era of Chelsea, who knows? It could slip up or it could be amazing. They have a lot of good young players still. And then Tottenham, that's another thing where after Kane, who knows what happens. They are a fraudulent team by nature. Son son had an incredible year, joint goals, top goal scorer. Yeah, so... They just got an inve- uh, potential injection, injection with the shares being changed and 150 million pounds potentially up to that being put back into the club. Not all going to transfer budget, but potentially they'll get some of that to reinvest in the squad. And I think Antonio Conte is going to have a meeting with the the owners and the yep. execs to talk about the future plans and what he plans to do if he stays. Yeah. And then there's Arsenal, who have been penny-pinching and buying players i don't i don't want to say on speculation but largely on speculation not really doing in the loan market what they need to do and been playing without a competent striker now all season for the most part because Aubameyang left um and it i don't know where they're going to spend their money the rest of these teams i know where they're trying to improve how they're trying to improve and what they're trying to uh, accomplish and and really give us as a product. Arsenal, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know the answer to it. Um, the team is young, but has Mikel not given you a clear enough plan to what no. he wants to do and the sporting director? No, I wish they would come out and say this is the striker we're going after. I mean, right, it, Jesus, right? That's 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 the idea. He's linked with a couple clubs. He wants to leave Tottenham. City. Potentially, might want to keep him. Arsenal and Tottenham, and I heard one other team. I don't think it was the Prem Club. So unless I know exactly where the team is trying to cover their gaps, I don't know if I can say, like, oh, I expect us to be in fourth place. I I just don't. Maybe my expectations of this team are lower, but I don't think Arsenal have the... We may have the finances. I mean, Stan Kroenke is ridiculously rich, but he's kind of like... Levy and the fact that he doesn't give up all the money. So I don't know. I don't know if, if Arsenal are ever going to finish second or third. I think we had, we had a really good chance at winning the league in 2015. We didn't do it. Um, Leicester won that year. Yep. That's the last time you guys finished and despite us railing them twice. Um, and I think that was kind of the lightning in the bottle year. And and we didn't get it done then. So I don't know. It's been a, a weird rebuild. And honestly, I, I'm not of the opinion that this season was a disappointment. I think it's disappointing to not get Champions League. But I don't know if we, I want to be there in the first place. Because I just don't think Arsenal have the depth. They are one of the weakest teams in terms of depth in the entire league. They're the youngest team in the entire league by a wide margin. And I don't know. Yeah. I think Tottenham are going to fare much better in the UCL than than Arsenal would have next season. And I'm not as much of a hater of Spurs as as maybe I once was in my youth. Um, I think they have a better manager, and I think they are just stronger up top at this point. So, yeah, I think it, I think that 
I have to agree with you there before I move on. I think just the experience of the manager and the players as well. I mean, the top two guys for Tottenham, both scoring 23 and 17 goals, while Arsenal, off the top of my head, I don't know if anybody scored more than 13. No. Maybe 12. So I think that's where your answer lies. Yeah. We need an established striker and a better game plan up top because unless, until we get, think about the Arsenal golden years. Like there was guys that could bang in like on, like Henri, right? If if we don't get another generational striker like that, the tiki-taka beautiful football sort of thing that Arsenal do at their best doesn't matter because the ball doesn't get finished. So that's what we need. And it's it's tough to say, yeah, I'd like another Thierry Henry. I mean, he's one of the best strikers. He's the best striker I've ever watched. So it's tough to say that, but... They're going to have to... Tottenham kind of have one. <laughs> like Kane's pretty gonna, good. They're going to have to hire Wenger on the side and just have him scout in France for the yeah. summer. That's where they come from, though. That's where these guys come from. And the Ma- streets like, of France. Mbappe, Benzema. Like, this. that's what... That's what Giroud. they have to find. Giroud, even Giroud. I mean, I'd kill somebody. Congrats to him. Serie A champ. Yeah, legend. Beautiful no, he guy. doesn't. He only wins. Yeah, I know. All right, let's move on. We got stuck there talking about Arsenal. I'm sure we'll talk more about them next week. We have Chelsea 2, Watford 1. Chelsea getting all three points against the Watford side. I, I almost blew a gasket when I saw that update they scored in the 87th. Oh, uh, what? You thought it was coming down to a halt? I was like, no, we ben can't end your tying Watford. It was Ross, Ross. Ross Barkley last couple of weeks been coming out of left field. He's a demon. He scores scores a pen in the final for the FA Cup, does his job, and then hits the winner here. Yeah, I mean the guy's an absolute demon. It was a good performance, clutch goal in the ninety first for him. Um, Kai Havertz opened the scoring in the eleventh. Dan Gosling. I mean, I don't even know who the fuck that is. Scored in the eighty seventh for Watford, and then Russ Barkley out of left field, like Matt said, in the ninety first to uh, take all three for Chelsea. Chelsea finished in third place, just three points above Tottenham, which is crazy. Um, bit of a tumultuous period there for Chelsea, but they were able to to secure that third place, secure that Champions League spot despite a uh, a disappointing run of form there in the middle. I don't know what's going to go on with uh with Lukaku. That was a failed experiment. I know that Matt and I, I both, think he'll stay. I think that's bold for him and I think that's bold for the club, but I think I think we're going to figure out these contracts and I think since it's this is his club, this is his favorite club. He's grown up loving Chelsea. I think he's willing to give it another go. I don't know. I don't know. Right, right now, I feel like he's going to stay. I feel like he's got to give it another go. Um, I'd like to see up. him at his best. He's he's incredible to watch when he's when he's playing well and confidently. But he played he played very limited most of the time coming off the bench. He scored eight goals, third most on the team. I think Mount finished with eleven. Back to back years, he's been Player of the Year hands down for us. Um, he does so much for the team. It's crazy. Um, they're talking about doubling his contract to when he re-signs, hopefully. But yeah. that's another another story. But last year sure. finished. Last year we finished fourth, won the Champions League. This year third, didn't win anything. Made two finals, lost both in penalties. Yeah, it's fucked. It's very. It's the hardest way to lose a game, yep. and to do that twice in the same exact way to the same opponent, mind you, is very frustrating. But 
if you look at it, it, it in the league specifically, it is an improvement. Um, we scored a lot more goals. That was one thing I talked about last year is a full year two Tuchel, will we score, have a scoring issue still, or will yeah. we fix that? And I think we still scored a lot of goals. And mind you, there's still most of, half of them are at least coming from our defenders. And I'm not going to say it's a bad thing, but you, I just made the argument with Arsenal not having a top goal scorer like that. Chelsea don't either. And no. That's we were we're eighteen points, um, nineteen points off first place, eighteen second. There's such a huge fucking gap, and I know there is. I was just thinking the same exact thing. There's tiers. You have the top two, three to fifth are together, yep. and then six to about ten, twelve, twelve, tenth, twelfth, wherever you want to define that. Like yeah. there's, you can just see after every year there are tiers. And you can just tell where these teams are and how they can group up. So um, I guess I'm going to save most of my notes because I I don't want to talk about it too much in this episode. We'll save it for next week. But, um, yeah, I think brief note, I think Chelsea had a decent year. And the the two cup losses are just very tough to swallow. It's, It's tough to come off a Champions League winning season and not win another trophy. I mean, well, you guys won the Club World Cup, actually. So that's a trophy, back, right? Back in the winter, I guess, yeah, if you want to consider that. Oh, I'm counting it. Chelsea had got one trophy this year. It's the first time they've ever won it. Yeah, exactly. They made history. That's good. Mm-hmm. always love to see that. They had, had a, a nice little trip. They had a, they had a, had a nice year. little trip to, to the UAE. Yeah, they had a really tough year. And I think... You think, their... Do you think the, the the sorry to cut you off, but do you think the Ancelotti thing really messed with everybody? Do you think that takes in any? Do you take that into account for the year? Ancelotti or Abramovich? Oh, sorry, Abramovich. Oh. Sorry, I got confused. Sorry about that. Um, well, I don't think it was an eighteen point difference. If that's the question, you know what I mean? Because they were eighteen points behind Liverpool. I don't. I don't think. I don't think the Abramovich thing was 18 points worth of struggle. Do you think that played in the back of their minds? Like, I might not get paid. I have to move my family now (sighs) since I have no idea what the hell's going on with the club. Tuchel. I do. Am I going to be here in the long run with this situation? Yeah, for for about three weeks, I think things looked really scary. They looked extremely sketchy. And then things calmed down a little bit and... The news cycle, you know, it always happens. It's just, it's the media machine and it started to ease off. And then then it wasn't as much of a concern. But I think for those three weeks, by the way, those three weeks, I believe they didn't drop any points. Um, Yeah, there was a good stretch. It was a good stretch during that. It seemed like they weren't really worried about it, but I'm sure they were. I'm sure deep down they were worried about it. Chelsea had pretty good results down the stretch. It was just that um, they had... They had a lot of draws. They had 11 draws. Arsenal only had three. Tottenham only had five. You know, we had more losses, but in games that Chelsea could have won, they just weren't able to convert. And I think that's where a lot of those points, those lost points yeah. come from. There's there's at least 18 yeah. points. Worth one, of the, of... one of the stats was they, they are the only team this year who never trailed at half. Like, we were never behind in the first half. So that's crazy. Second half, something went wrong every time we didn't get the result. Yeah, so I don't know. It was it was weird. I just think this is a decent a decent season for Chelsea in a, a time of change. So that's what we'll call it. You know, the, the seasons are changing. Things are 
are obviously or were in flux and we'll have to see what happens money wise and see what sort of players they're able to bring in uh we're going to see a restructuring of of the way that their finances work i think but uh i don't i don't worry about chelsea i think they'll be just fine uh okay leicester city four southampton one not uh not a super important game here james madison getting on the board in the 49th jamie vardy i mean this guy he just doesn't stop he scored in the 74th james ward prowse scored from a penalty kick this guy is a set piece spot kick demon that's where all of his goals come from rarely scores from open play and then iose perez got one in the 81st and the 96th as well the Foxes outplayed the Saints here. 12 shots on target to Southampton. Seven, six shots on target for the Foxes. Just two for Southampton and 51% possession. I think they uh, these teams sort of <clears throat> match up well, to be honest with you. Southampton can never really get a result uh, from them. I figured Leicester would probably come out on top here, but um, just, I don't know. There's more quality in Leicester's team in in total i just think they sort of play in a similar way uh lester been better towards the end of the season but uh i just i don't know i think this was a sort of a mediocre season for them i mean jamie vardy only made 25 appearances this year and scored 15 goals got three assists like he still got the sauce oh Um, i don't think i don't think anybody's questioning that it's crazy just how Leicester saved their year. There was a time there where they were 13th for a while, had a lot of games to make up, but um, as well as there was a nine-point gap there with them and Wolves, and now they finished one point above them, almost getting into Europe again. Um, but it was meant to be. We talked about the beginning of the year having injury issues, and that was what their downfall was at the downfall was at the end. And Southampton, I mean, just having a a very mediocre year um being lucky that teams were worse than them because they went on stretches there of very poor form and james ward prowse saved them as much as they could and they i think danny ing's leaving was a big loss for them they missed a a signature experience number nine that um they just didn't have the shoes to fill yeah for sure um all right Let's uh, let's move on there. We got Brentford one, Leeds United two. Somehow or another, Leeds securing uh, safety. They're going to stay up this season. Rafinha with a penalty in the 56th. Sergio Cano struck back in the 78th. But Jack Harrison, by the way, played soccer in the states. Uh, NYCFC. Yeah, and uh, he went to college over here as well. So semi-American, let's say, doing it for uh, future boss of the men's national team. Hopefully, Jesse Marsh. Uh, Marsh at the uh, at the full time whistle, getting tackled by his staff. He has managed to keep Leeds up for another season, and maybe I'll change my tune now on Leeds. I, I don't know what to expect, but I think we're going to see a few guys here uh, still leave, regardless of the fact that they're going to be staying up. I just just can't see uh, Rafinha. I think he's a player of immense quality. Calvin Phillips, a bit of a step off the season after injury. But those two guys, you just can't see sticking around, to be honest with you. I think it's going to be another season for Leeds, or maybe their 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 best finish is in 14th or 13th. But yeah, you know we'll we'll see. Uh, but this was a good result. It's good to see uh, good to see those guys fighting. I think it was an entertaining match. Sergio Canos, after scoring in the 78th, did get a red card in the 80th. So uh, you know this was a this was a tight one. It was well matched, but the bees ultimately falling. 
uh, to Leeds in the dying embers. Yeah, I mean, Brentford, to their credit, had an incredible year. The beginning, they were flying, having a great season, um, doing well against a lot of the big dogs, and it kind of fizzled out for a while. And then to end the year, they went on a run of um, four, like, they won, what is that, their last, including this last game, they won seven of their last 11 games. I mean, that that secured them in the league, that form there. Um, but to Leeds' credit, they needed it more, and they fought hard, um, playing away as well, not having all the home crowd there. They had the away end, but, yeah, they got the job done, and talking about guys staying, I think Rafinha's looking to leave, potentially, and I think Calvin Phillips is on Man City's radar, um, having Fern- Fernandinho leave, so as well as Gundogan, he may be leaving too. So there's a big uh, spot there. Phillips wants to make the move. Um, Jack Harrison potentially linked with the move out as well. So, And I think Jesse's going to bring in guys that fit his scheme. Remember, Bielsa managed this team for quite a while in the championship, and Marsh has to get a hold of this team and figure out what he wants to do. And um, I think he's going to have to move a lot of guys here to the best of his ability and to stay within his budget realistically. But I think if he could keep the core attack and just upgrade that defense, I think they'll be pretty set. Like you said, I think 14th would be a good shout next year. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's move on here. We're sort of getting to the doldrums before we, we crank it back up with uh city and, and Liverpool's results. But Burnley won, Newcastle two. This was the game that Burnley ultimately fell fully flat in. They were unable to secure that safety. Uh, they would have stayed up on goal differential if they stayed uh, in this game, but they, they just couldn't. Callum Wilson scored a penalty in the 20th minute, and then he scored again in the 60th. So it's nice to see Callum Wilson sort of back and form towards the end of the season here. Maxwell Cornet, who we've talked about all season long uh, since he came in, in the winter window, uh, he scored in the 69th, but it was just too late. Burnley did apply the pressure in this game. 12 shots, 5 shots on target, uh, as opposed to Newcastle's 8 and 6, respectively. Burnley did hold 52% of the possession. They just couldn't get their shots to fall. An extremely unfortunate result for Burnley. We talked about them already. The Clarets are going down, and Newcastle's new age uh, is in full swing at this point. I mean, Grimarish, um St. Max, Jolinton, all guys that really clutched up down the stretch. Dan Byrne, another guy. Kieran Trippier actually back now at this point, too. Yep. Um, this was a pretty much full-strength team from them. They didn't make it easy on Burnley, and they're going to go down because of it. Yeah, I think for Newcastle, the beginning of the year, a lot of our questions circled around their midfield, not having a dynamic playmaker, um, lack of pace. Um, they pushed Jolington back there and turned into a great move um, by Eddie Howe. And then the signing of Bruno Guimaraes, um absolutely just put a new new life in that midfield for Newcastle. So that was our main concern, and they fixed it. Um, Wilson comes back from injury and doesn't have a problem scoring, takes the weight off St. Max. Um, and yeah, I mean, Newcastle finished the year, like you mentioned, strong. They handled their business against the competition around them, and they were pretty competitive against the big dogs. They didn't make it easy on them, um, which is a good sign for next year if they can just improve on um, their side and maybe put in more depth. They're not a team. I don't think they're a team that 
can challenge for Europe yet, but I think it's a step in the right direction, though. And for Burnley, I think just the end of the year, they had defensive injury issues. Ben Mee picked up a big knock, I believe, seven weeks ago or so. That was a huge loss. Tarkovsky missed a game or two as well due to suspension. Um, and I just think those guys in the reserves just didn't have enough experience, and it was just too much pressure on them to get the job done. We saw a drop-off from your boy Vout Veghorst. Yeah. Started on the bench here. Um, came in as a sub for those last-minute balls in, and I think missed a tap-in just by a shoelace, um, crazily enough, even though he's like 6'7". Yeah. Um, and your boy Cornet, who thought he was on loan, um, not fit. He just wasn't fit to play the full year. So we'll see what the championship holds for them if they can come right back up, if they can figure out their financial issues. Um, hopefully for them, it's a quick rebound, but I don't know. It's tough. I don't know. I don't know with that squad if they have enough to come back. Yeah, I I have no idea. It's it's going to be so hard for them to claw their way back. Having to uh, offload some of those guys, it's going to be a serious challenge. I'm excited to, to see um, I'm going to be keeping my eye on the way that Burnley function down there. Who knows? Maybe they'll uh, they'll shock us. Maybe they'll come up. They, if they were able to finish seventh in the Prem that one year, anything is possible. That was a down year, but it's it's definitely possible. All right, let's move on to City Three Villa Two. Holy fuck! This was a fitting end to a just violently dominant season from City. Uh Matty Cash opening the scoring in the 37th minute. I know Liverpool fans were jumping for joy at this point. They were so excited. Philippe Coutinho then scored in the 69th. Obviously uh, a Liverpool great. I mean I, I don't even think that's like unreasonable to say. Nah. Um he's beloved. He's truly beloved in, in that city still he scored in the 69th and then that he did what what they do. Um, they came back. LK Gundogan, quieter season this year as opposed to last, but showing up when it mattered, truly. He scored in the 76th. Rodri got on the end of one in the 78th. Zinchenko providing the assist for that one. And then in the 81st, Gundogan put the fork in the villains. He finished, and that was it. I knew... Pretty much from the second that he scored that first goal, that City were at least going to tie. Um, I was not expecting them to come back this quickly, but they scored three goals in 15 minutes. And that is the, that's the story of City. That's just what they did all season long. It was never quit. Um, they didn't really trail all that much, but when they did trail, they were able to come back. 24 shots for them in this game, five shots on target. They did control the tempo the entire game. Villa were just able to get on the end of, of two really good chances and finish. It just wasn't enough. Only two shots on target for Villa. Obviously, those being the two that went in. 28% possession, triple the passes for City that Villa had, and uh, 90% pass accuracy. So City were just all over them here. It's not surprising that they won this game, but it's surprising that they won in this fashion. If I was home for the second half, um, I was up on the road. It was on mile, dude. I I would have I would have put a hundred dollars on City, whatever come the on. odds were, to come back and win that game. If it was 
if it was like plus 400 that would have been the easiest money of my life yep um we see them we've seen them do this many times this year as well as liverpool they came back and won their game but yeah you just you just saw it coming i think the one problem from pep's lineup was starting fernandinho at center back um I'm not, he did this a couple times in the previous week's games uh, I don't know if it's a respect thing for him, just getting him in the side to finish out because he left now. Um, since he couldn't fit in the midfield, he's put him back there with all the injuries to their back line. But John Stones is a center back, and he was playing it right back. Aston Villa took advantage of that in the first half and could have scored a couple there, but they couldn't. And the halftime change, they take Fernandinho out, put Stones in the middle, flip Cancelo on the right, and they put Zinchenko in on the left. And that was a phenomenal move there as a sub. Gundogan comes on. Um, Sterling as well got the assist for the first goal. I mean, everybody was slobbering over Pep's subs. Um, they all contributed, and he was commented saying, you think that was good? Wait until next year when he can make five subs. Um, I don't know, man. It's just, it, was, it, was just, it was one of those things that was meant to be. And I think just the Villa's legs just finally gave out. As soon as that first one went in, it was a like you mentioned, it was just a tidal wave surging right on them. It didn't help that Martinez wasn't playing. I think Olsen in goal was sloppy the first half. His passing range was just pitiful. He turned the ball over so many times. It was just that's another thing with these games. I mean, you put guys in that have, are not match sharp. There's no they're they don't they don't have a feeling for the flow of the game. Um, like these, like normal, consistent guys do, even role players that sporadically get minutes. So they were doomed from the start in a way, but they made it as interesting as possible for us as a neutral to watch and create probably another all-time great Premier League moment. Yeah, for sure. This was something that will I'll I'll pretty much always remember. Uh, scenes at the end there, saw Zinchenko. I don't know if you saw the ending, but Zinchenko came out I, he was he was just buckled i mean he was in he was in tears he had his uh had rightfully his so flag around him he, he wrapped it around the trophy and stepped back and just let it sit in front of the fans it fans it was it was a, a really cool moment i mean yep. like just politics aside it's cool to to see um what it what it really does mean to the players because i think Sometimes we we think of some of them, and some of them are just extremely professional, and, and they don't really get let the emotion get to them. Uh, but to see a, a moment of of human emotion like that, it's it's nice to see. I mean, it it really does kind of um, remind you that these are just people, and it, it's a job. I mean, that that's do they love the job? Yeah, sure. Do they get paid a lot of money? Absolutely. But it does mean a lot to a lot of them, um, and it's a very very cool moment. Yeah, um, I will say sorry, ahead. but I gotta cut out of here soon. I gotta go to like a board meeting thing. Okay. No sweat. So if we we could just speed it up. Sorry, guys, listening. That's okay. Um, so congrats to City, Norwich nil, Tottenham five. Tottenham scoring five goals here past the Finches, who we didn't expect to to really be in this one. Kulusevski in the sixteenth, Harry Kane in the thirty second. Uh, another one from Kulu in the sixty fourth, and then. Wangman's on in the 70th and 75th. Not much to add here. Tottenham getting their UCL qualification here in this one above Arsenal. Norwich going down. Um, congratulations to Tottenham. You have 
best at us once again. Next year, maybe we'll get you. But uh, great performance from them. Brighton 3, West Ham 1. After going ahead early, Mikel Antonio in the 40th minute. Brighton were able to strike back three times. Joel Veltman, Pascal Gross, and then that guy Welbs in the 92nd minute. This was a dominant performance by Brighton. I thought maybe West Ham at the edge here, but they were unable to uh, to secure three points, and now they're going to be competing in the Conference League. You see anything in this one that I didn't see? Um, Just the teamwork and the effort from Brighton to rally around Graham Potter and his style. I think this has been a um, a great season to show his his hard work for what he does with what he has. I think both of these teams are mere images of each other. I think they've done the most they can with the squads they have to finish where they did. Um, West Ham maybe could have finished a little higher, um, but Brighton for what they had did an incredible job. I think Danny Welbeck has really shown that he still has it, maybe not to the, the highest of standards, but I think he can be a solid number two if they could just get a guy that scores 15 goals that could put them around West Ham's level for the future. And I think for West Ham, I think they just, they maybe had just two, their legs were just a little too tired. I think they had a very long year playing a lot of games, making a deep run into the Europa league, which I think that's a good thing they did. I think a lot of credit to them for that, but they just had a lot of, a lot of discipline issues with guys in the back line having cards and Ogbonna picked up a very disgusting injury, ACL tear. So um, surprisingly, Antonio did not have a long-term injury this year and played for most of the year. And they survived even when he didn't perform, but other guys stepped up. Bowen had a player of the season like year um, was a nominee beaten out by De Bruyne, but still had a phenomenal year and got a England call up now for the upcoming friendlies. So um, I think he helped himself individually and giving him a great shout for the world cup squad. If he can, can, if he can carry this over into the fall of the, to the start of the new year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Okay. We'll just have two more games here or no, just one more Liverpool three wolves one Uh, Pedro Neto capitalizing on a kind of a fumble by the Liverpool defense here early he scored in the third minute. I believe Raul Jimenez was actually the guy to cross that ball into him. Good finish from him, but Liverpool weren't going to have that sort of result. Sadio Mane scoring in the 24th, most solid in the 84th, and then Rabo back from injury. He was gone for quite some time uh, in the 89th. This was a dominant performance by Liverpool. I thought maybe they, they would fold after that really early goal, but Liverpool have managed to, to come back a couple times this season, much like City. And this was a great performance from them. Just so, so deep all over the pitch, getting goals from everywhere. Uh, this was, you know, just a really, really good performance from them. Uh, statistically, they totally outmatched Wolves. 63% of the possession, eight shots on target, and 29 shots for Liverpool. I don't know what you thought about this game, but I did say I thought maybe they'd fold here, but they made it a game. And I don't know. I don't know what City would have known. You know, I don't know if they would have known what the score was or what. But... I think they had coaches and people watching the game exclusively just to yeah. have no, just updates. I think everybody kind of did that, had some sort of something on the line. Yeah, so no, City knowing that they needed to get get going there, 
um, was just such a big thing. And I, I'm sure, you know, these two teams are, were in competition really for the last six six months. And I want to say quickly, I know we're going to close this out here in a second, but the dream of the quadruple for, for Liverpool stayed alive until like May 22nd, May 21st. That's crazy. There's only one team that's ever won the quadruple in the Premier League, and it was Sir Alex Ferguson's Manchester United team, arguably the best. No, actually not the best Premier League all, team all the time. There's there's one team that did that. They never lost. Um, but that's a crazy, crazy thing, and we almost saw Liverpool do it. Um, so they may win three titles here if they win the uh, Champions League, but a great season for them, just just falling one point shy in the uh, in the prem. I think still winning a, a treble is a, a phenomenal thing that not a lot of teams can hold their hand up and say they accomplished. But it surely in this, is, yeah. Yeah, in this game, Wolves have lost each of their last 11 Prem games against Liverpool by an aggregate score of 24-3. to um, It was weird to see them get off to a hot start. I mean, Liverpool got caught down, caught with their pants down. It was a long ball from the goalkeeper over top and a quick cross from... None other than Raul Jimenez, who we shitbagged, uh, yeah. and he bags and assist. I was saying that as soon as I saw the goal, I was like, that motherfucker. I know. Wow. Um, but I think to Wolves, I think they just had an absolutely, potentially the worst end to a year. Um, to still finish in top 10, the, the last six, what is that, the last seven games, they had five defeats and two draws. Just an absolute falling out. They could have finished in Europa if they j- just won a couple of those games. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't meant to be. We'll have to see what they do next year. A lot of movement potentially with a couple players. Um, Ruben Neves probably may leave. Again, he'll be in the rumor mill. Um, maybe a couple other players as well. But um, Liverpool, I mean, Klopp's been finishing the league with 90-plus points three times now and has only won one league title. Sir Alex Ferguson has only finished once with 91 points and he's earned or no, he's never finished above 91 points in a league and he's got 13 titles. So I think that's just the evolution of the game. We talked at the top of the show with Barcelona and spending money and all that. And I think that's a major factor with these point totals. Um, You see it in the NBA with super teams, the, the big threes, whatnot, and going for titles. And I think that's the, the equivalent to this here. Uh, the more money you spend, the more likely you're going to finish with more points. So um, it's not guaranteed, but it's it's. I think that's a, a comparison that's pretty fair to make. So it's it's hard if you're a Liverpool fan to have this much this much success. They only lost two damn games in the league this year. Um, I don't even remember who they were to, even right off the top of my head. Um, I couldn't tell. But, I mean, you only lose two damn games and you come in second. Like, what the hell? What am I supposed to do? And, I mean, if you want to be very critical, they need to win those games against City. I think both of those were draws. Um, I'm trying to look back as quick as I can here. But, what was that? One draw? Yeah, it's going to take me too long. But, yeah, yeah, I, I... we can be very super critical. That's, I mean, that's how we have to be very, very detailed with our opinions with these top two teams. And it's tough because they do such a damn good job, but that's just how close it is. 
when there's when they have that many points to really try to figure out what the problem is and i don't think there is a problem it's just they man city is man city yeah i don't think there's a better way to to describe the way that they played all season they i mean gaining or winning 93 points is just insane three losses in the league liverpool had less but those are crazy crazy numbers it's it's just unfathomable to me and there have been teams that won more points but this is crazy Back in January, Liverpool were behind by 13, 14 points from yeah, City, and they made it. And they made it back into a title race. They did. They they won when City drew, and when City lost, they they managed to make it a really, really close race, and it was very entertaining all the way down to the stretch. So, um, I am feeling very pleased with the way that this season panned out. I mean, I think it was an incredible watch, and. You know what I'm most happy about is that I was able to uh, to go 500. Actually, positive. Yeah, uh, I think that's season. the that's the more I think that's the bigger accomplishment. It is. I agree. City winning the league is nothing. 380 games to pick, and you you went a little over 500. I know. I'm very impressed with myself. Um, I don't think most people will care about that, but the select few that watch this show will know how much Matt and I toil over some of these uh, some of these matches and uh it's always nice to to close the season out and have another have another essentially season of the show in the books, you know? Yeah, I guess I'll say real quick the when I broke them down by teams, your best team was Man City 26 and 12, yeah. then it was Liverpool 25 and 13. Uh, Watford came in third for you, twenty four and fourteen. That's so ridiculous. I must have faded them a lot. Arsenal twenty three and fifteen, and then your fifth best was Chelsea twenty one and seventeen, and then mine was my number one Liverpool twenty seven eleven, then City twenty six twelve, Leicester City twenty five and thirteen. Oh, that was my team this year. Boxes, yeah. Uh, Chelsea, oh no, Norwich, 22 and 16. Uh, you had Norwich 23 and 15. So, yeah. I mean, the faded them every week. A couple times I bet on them, though, and they soiled me. Yeah. And then everything else for both of us was either around 500. Um, my worst team, I don't think anybody has to have a question West about Ham. that. West Ham, 10 yeah. and 28. <laughs> That's tough, man. And yours was. Brentford thirteen twenty five. That's bad too. I mean, yours was really, but you were like fucking six and no, you were like five and fifteen at one point or something ridiculous, and you made up some ground there when they were losing. I tried. Um, wow, so another season in the books. I, yep. I want to sincerely thank you guys for for sticking with us the whole season. For those of you that have been here since week one, I know that there's at least a couple people that have listened to every uh episode and i just want to thank you guys for for listening yeah. this is why we do it i mean we enjoy it but um it's it's nice to have a place to to talk about the sport that really still is is still growing in the states so um yeah. thank you guys we, for for listening yeah we still got next week is going to be more in-depth breakdown of the yeah. league table yeah. finishes and we're going to get more in detail about the teams and where they can go and pretty much all that so yeah um yeah just save you some trouble of having to listen to a two through two and a half hour episode we'll break it in half yeah and this one's coming up on an hour and a half so 
Uh, you guys got a decent showing from us this week. Um, but that's it. You know, Matt's got to run. And uh, make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find the podcast and all past episodes of the show on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. So that's it from us. We'll see you next week for the season review and season awards. And until then, take care.